0: Welcome to In The Aisles, the movie and TV podcast whose audience growth does not track with inflation, unfortunately. I'm James. I'm Dan. This week, we're going to talk about what we have been watching on various streaming services. We'll talk real news and our main review is Nope, finally released in the UK.
1: How are you, James? Are you well?
0: I'm okay. I'm okay. Would you like to have the most boring conversation ever to take place on a podcast?
1: (laughs) Please,
0: let's do it. It's been a a while, but I've noticed that on Netflix, they used to have two options for English language. They have English 2.0 stereo and English 5.1. Now, if you don't have 5.1 speakers, that means you could use the English 2.0 option and hear everything through your TV speakers. It'd be fine. Mm. There's no longer that split option on any Netflix content. And what I've noticed and what others have noticed, possibly unrelated to the double audio option, is that the 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 audio mix on a lot of Netflix content is, is quite poor. Mm. It'll be really loud or really quiet. And sometimes the music will overwhelm the dialogue completely and i've resulted and others have resulted to using subtitles just to hear what's going on because the mix is so poor and i wonder if it's because are they putting everything out at 5.1 surround by default and that just means that if you're watching it on your laptop or on your tv some sound is just going into speakers that aren't there
1: i'm sure i've read something about this previously and i think you've bang on the money that is what they've done do you know when this disappeared though because i regularly switch between subtitles or different audio languages and i can't remember seeing a 2.0 version for yonks it's, which is it's, ages
0: yeah it's been years it's only now that i'm bringing it up because it's i only right. made the connection recently
1: have you tried a word of advice and i might be completely wrong you've got a new mac you flash bastard, Yeah, watch it on your Mac and I bet it supports Dolby Atmos and it you can hear it pristine, although you might have already tried that.
0: Not, what do you mean Dol- Dolby At- Atmos? Is that like a uh, setting that i choose?
1: Well, no, I think it is now what Netflix is choosing to put the majority of the content out in from an audio perspective, which right, okay. obviously some TVs don't have, so therefore you're losing that quality in audio. But if you've got a new Mac, I would be very surprised. If that's not okay.
0: into it, it's still it's not as bad as it was on the TV, but it's it still you can't hear stuff sometimes.
1: Just, just can't bank on anything these days. What an absolute jip. Is jip a word? Have I just made that up. No, it's an old, old.
0: Yeah, old, old slang. Yeah. Good convo. Good, boring conversation. I, I knew I felt that I was onto something with the sound not being quite right on Netflix.
1: Alternatively, though, if you listen to the BBC, I'm pretty sure they still don't support 5.1 audio, which blows my mind. Please you're safe there. Most
0: boring conversation ever. Finish that there. Daniel, how are you?
1: I'm good. Let's have another boring conversation. I went to my first Manchester Pride this weekend with my partner, wearing all black. Not purposely. That's just what I dug out of my wardrobe. Nobody else, as you can imagine... Was in black. Do you think that people were looking upon me and thinking easier to cause trouble? Is that a big no? I don't know whether I've like stepped into some sort of social faux pas. I instance. don't.
0: I don't think anyone would have noticed. But you have. Yeah, you've you've done something strange by wearing the only color that is not on the pride flag. <laughs> that is the only. It's not even on the progressive flag. You've just missed all the colors off. Black shirt, black jeans, black trainers. Yeah, black trainers. Cleaners, yep. black trainers.
1: Hang on, hang on. Purple sock on the left foot, blue sock <laughs> on the right foot. <laughs> but you couldn't see that.
0: Yeah. You're one balaclava away from being uh,
1: a troublemaker.
0: No print on the shirt. Nope. Black. Right. I think you would have, it might have stood out a little bit.
1: Right. Okay. Well, the good news is, as they were going past in the droves, some guy was handing out stickers, colourful stickers, I made my way to the front of the queue and just grabbed them off him and stuck it right on my shirt. <laughs> I thought, I'm fine now. I'm fine. It's okay. <sighs> what an idiot. I know for next time. Right, with that, we'll get into it, shall we?
0: Okay, yes. Daniel, what have you been watching?
1: First one, Five Days at Memorial, which I thought would be on your watch list this week. I don't know why. Have you seen any of it? Have you heard of it?
0: Is this a documentary about working at a hospital?
1: It's not. It is a new True story drama that is on Apple TV, which centers on the events of uh, Hurricane Katrina back in 2005. Can you believe that that was 17 years ago? Yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> rather than it focus on the event as a whole, this is very much centering in on what happened in this memorial hospital in New Orleans, both during and five days after. The hurricane, as the title would suggest. Now, you know, because you've brought up various news throughout the years, and I'll just act blankly like, What are you talking about? I'm pretty ignorant, but it's not out of choice. It's just happenstance and, and general laziness. And this show just reaffirmed for me that I've been ignorant for over 15 years. So, Obviously, I know about Hurricane Katrina from a high-level point of view. I know the story headlines. What I didn't really know was just how badly the US government messed up with this and how the media was in many ways misrepresenting the truth of what was going on. And even though I think that's what's supposed to be the big takeaway from this, I arrived at that conclusion like two episodes in without it like hitting me over the face with it. It's just obvious for you to see throughout the episodes because you living through the carnage with these doctors, nurses and patients. And what I think the show does really well is throughout the hurricane, it gives you this sense of place and like you feel as though the hospital is completely cut off, which it is. And during the hurricane episodes, especially like you feel a bit claustrophobic. You've got the rain in every scene. It's battering the windows. You can't see out of the windows, the winds howling around them. You really do feel trapped with them. And then even when the hurricane subsides, if you're an idiot like me, you go, oh, that was bad or wonder how they deal with the aftermath. I didn't know about the levees breaking and water continuing to pour into the city. That is how deeply ignorant I am. So for me, this was just like, oh, my word. But it's the fact that it's not what's happening to the town, uh, the city as a whole. It's this hospital and one of the cool things that they do is they intersplice this like archival news footage throughout the show. And it's used almost in a, you know, like a horror jump scare kind of way. So someone's looking out the window and you think, oh, they're just thinking about the loved ones or whatever it may be. And then it's like, Wah! and they'll just show you like six quick shots of things that were actually going on at the time, which I thought was, was really effective. And one of the things that definitely doesn't hurt is the CGI and the special effects in this you know, showing you a natural disaster. It is breathtaking. And I, I don't want to misrepresent the show and say you're getting like a Roland Emmerich style day after tomorrow type thing. It's not because it obviously doesn't have that sort of budget and it's not that heavy with the special effects. But when they go for it, it it looks really, really good. And I, it is just mad to think that you can get this sort of special effects on a TV show in this day and age. And if, if I think back on Roland Emmerich, he wishes he could make something like this because this is how you balance like human drama with spectacle and you know making the audience care. And I would say so far it's a bit 13 Lives-like in its approach. So it's laying out the facts, telling you what happened, but still I am invested in these characters and it's not trying to make me cry, much like 13 Lives, but I think it is going towards a final episode that's going to have an emotional gut punch. So I've tried avoiding any real specifics with this because I think part of what makes this special is uncovering the moment-to-moment drama within the hospital and some of the things that they had to deal with. So I'll leave that out. Hopefully I've sold you enough on it. Get yourself a seven-day Apple TV trial. Wait a few weeks till it's finished. But it's worth it for this alone, in my opinion.
0: I hadn't heard of this drama series starring Vera Farmiga and Terry Jones, the president from 24.
1: I wondered what I knew her from. Of course it's that. I mean, she's in loads of stuff, but that's the thing that I predominantly know her from. She's very good in it as well. I didn't even mention the actors. They are all good.
0: It does look very good. I'm not trying to be like, oh, look at me reading books. It's actually relevant. You reminded me of a book that goes into how the media portrayed the aftermath of Katrina. It's called A Paradise Built in Hell by Rebecca Solnit. And it's about communities forming in the aftermath of disasters and how people respond honorably when things go wrong would you say that's a little bit what this program's about these medical staff stepping up and being heroic
1: oh yeah yeah 100 percent. and there's like I've, I've tried staying away from specifics but i'm going to tell you one bit there's a real lack of help but there is infrequently from the coast guard a helicopter that will go by and because all the powers out and whatnot they have to carry because they prioritize like prematurely born babies they prioritize getting them up to the helipad but there's like six huge steel flights of stairs that they have to carry these incubators up. And it's just like, they have to do this with every patient. This is just mind-blowing stuff. And, and it does kind of show the heroism involved in it. So it's it's really, really good. And I appreciate the fact that normally we haven't read the book. And in this case, we still haven't. But you managed to find a way in to say that you have read a book, but it was relevant. So...
0: <laughs> right, yeah. We're <Well>, not completely... <laughs> illiterate i'll definitely be checking that out five days saying that i'm not five days at memorial what else have you been watching
1: i've been watching prey which i put off for a good few weeks so this is the new entry into in my eyes mediocre predator franchise i'm not a big lover of it but this appeared on disney plus a few weeks ago and it was during a week night uh, on a working week come half 11 and I thought I'm not ready to go to bed yet but don't be stupid and I thought I'll just watch that for half an hour it's supposed to be good anyway spoilers I stayed up and watched the whole thing and I was absolutely knackered the next day so you probably know where this is going in in many ways this it's really surprising that this film exists so there's like no A-list actors It's set 300 years ago and it follows a Native American tribe. Not something that you think a studio would go for, for a Predator film. But I'm so glad that they did because they've they've stripped back this idea to its kind of bare bones and it all works in its favour and it takes it back to what made that first Predator film so successful. I say that, I've not seen it for probably 20 years. Hopefully I'm not chatting absolute nonsense. And for large portions of this, it is not a Predator film. It's watching our protagonist, who's called Naru, and she's played by Amber Midthunder, and she's a member of this tribe, and traditionally, as a woman, she is expected to stay back at camp and do womanly things, I guess. It doesn't really go into it, because gender's not really what this film is concerned with. But she wants to be a warrior, and a lot of this is her going through trying to hunt down an animal, failing, trying again, failing again. But she's trying to prove herself within the tribe. And in the background, the Predator is slowly stalking his next victim. And that's where I think, again, not going to the nitty gritty. I'll leave it there with the story. This is a really confident film. I'm, I'm a bit biased with this. So I listened to a podcast and they know this guy intimately. They're friends with him and they've kind of followed his career. Dan Traxenberg, who directed this film, he did the pilot for The Boys and he did, what is it, 10 Cloverfield Lane, I think. Not a huge fan of him, but I've kind of followed his career journey and they did a review of this and one of the main hosts started crying because he got so emotional about it you know, oh, my friend's made a film and it's like really, really good. What a special moment in time. But I did think this is like stellar stuff when it cuts to the title card. And if you've seen the film, you'll know exactly what I mean. It was just like, it looks brilliant. It's like, oh, I'm in for something good here. And I was not let down. It's just solid, solid filmmaking and and really, really, as I said, bourbon story, but makes the best use of it. And the Predator, he's used to the right level. It's restrained, but rewarding. So I just kind of want to say the worst assumption you can make about this film is that it didn't go to the cinema, therefore it's not very good. Don't be fooled, because it's probably one of the best Predator films that I've seen, even though I'm not a big fan, and it should have had a cinema release. So that's my review.
0: Okay, I didn't know it wasn't released in the cinema at all. I'd seen a mostly positive reception, but I wondered if it was just that by achieving something that wasn't bad, everyone was going mental Just over mediocrity. Does that make sense? I don't think I've said that in the cleanest way. No,
1: no, I know exactly what you mean. And that's why I didn't watch this day one when it came to Disney Plus, because I thought exactly the same thing. But I think it is a level above that. I'm not saying this is like one of the best action films of recent times, but I think it's very proficient in what it does. And I very much enjoyed it. Surprisingly so, because this is not my, it's not my kind of film. I don't like things in this setting as well. We'll not go into that again, but I got over that, and I really, really enjoyed it.
0: Amber Mid Thunder, main character. She looks like she did a good job in the trailer.
1: Yeah, she she was really good. She could do action and whatever the opposite of action is, just acting.
0: Great. Dramatic acting.
1: That's what I was after. Yeah.
0: I'll check it out, then.
1: That's enough about me. I believe we've watched one thing the same, unless you're going to tell me you're not reviewing it now. Um, But, James, what have you been watching?
0: (laughs) I was going to wait for you to review it. It was gonna. I was. I was gonna tag onto yours, but oh. I'll do red. I'll. I'll talk about red rose and where I run out of steam. You can save the conversation. Red rose on the BBC. It's not just your battery that could die on your phone. That's the tagline and a post or something like that.
1: All right. I thought you would go into something, <laughs> and I thought I like this. Yeah, it's
0: good. <laughs> yeah, red rose set in Bolton, Bolton, where we are from, and it is the story of. A evil app that Rochelle, the main character, gets on her phone. And it starts sending messages that suggest that this app has knowledge about her life and her history. And it asks her to do things and say things to other people. And her life starts to collapse. It damages her relationships with her friends. And as the episodes go on, more people get the app. They do strange things. It all involves... Videos and pictures getting posted to social media to ruin people's reputations. Eventually, there is real fatal damage done because of this app. But where does it come from? Is it an actual supernatural power? Is it just incredibly good coding? Is it one person manipulating the situation? Who knows? Because I've not finished watching it all the way through. It's a serviceable horror drama. It's good. I'm enjoying it. But it's not one of the best... BBC things that I've seen. So you would you might have if you had really high expectations, you might think, Oh, it's gonna be a mix between Stranger Things and the best gritty BBC dramas like Sherwood. It's not quite that, but the performances yeah. are good. It being on the BBC, despite being set in, in Bolton or wherever, it all looks great. It's all shot in a very interesting way. They've chosen very good locations. The young actors who I think are all unknown, they're all very good. I do wonder about the pacing. And whether you need to have so many episodes just to get to the point that I've talked about that someone gets the app, the life falls apart, there's explosive fights. You do, I do feel a bit like, come on, let's just get on with it. You don't really need this much time yeah. and hours to get through it. What did you think?
1: I think everything that you've said is, is completely fair and. As a Boltonite, I'm probably a bit biased because there was an extra layer of fun with this. So it was like, oh my God, that's that pub. Oh, that's that's that place. And oh, that's around the corner. Like literally every scene. Um, so I did really like that. And plus the fact that, I don't know why, I just went on a mad journey of as soon as I found out this existed and I watched a few episodes, being in our hometown, I did a lot of reading about it. And interviews with the filmmakers, they were like, I really wanted Bolton to look cinematic and to that point, I think they actually really successfully did that. It looks Hollywood level in terms of Sheen and some of the horror moments in it, I think, are expertly done. But how many episodes into this are you?
0: Four or five. OK,
1: OK. If, if you if you're still like this is serviceable, I don't think it's going downhill more than it already has for you. But it doesn't creep up a level either. It does sort of tail off. And for me, I, I actually watched the first two episodes twice because I like them so much. I watched them with my partner and then we watched the whole thing. It doesn't reach the level of the first two episodes ever again. I think they are in isolation. It's a great little story just for that character arc. Not spoiling anything in there. Maybe I already have. Don't know. Really, really good. Does bolt in a lot of favours. But yeah, I, I think I agree with you that it's probably just above mid-level tier. In terms of where it should sit. And then the filmmakers as well, sorry not to go on, describe this as Scream meets Ring based in Bolton. You got halfway there. Yeah. Not not quite. I think there's some really fun scenes in it and it's oh, worth a watch. Yeah.
0: Overall, it is a success. And I think there are some funny moments as well. Like that, what's the guy called? Is he called Kaz or Taz? The Taz, very yeah. local guy that joins the group, later. he just keeps making inappropriate comments. Yeah. He, he keeps trying to be funny. He never quite has the, he, ca- he can't read the room. And then the other character, she just kept saying, "ginel" L to everything that happened. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes the, the timing of it. So, so it is funny as as well. It's got a lot yeah. to offer. I still recommend it.
1: Did you know, this came out of my deep dive that I did, that only one of the actors, I think, is actually from Bolton in this. So the rest, just to give it props for something else, I think they've done a very good job of mastering the, the dialects. Um, and sort of the, the tone in this, because you would never guess. I was convinced. I thought these people are definitely from this area, but I think a large mix of them are from down south. So yeah, I think they've done a good job.
0: All right, okay. So they're still, still the children of theatre producers in London. Then they didn't. Yeah. Didn't just get Bolton people. All right,
1: okay. Yeah, but you take it with one hand, to <laughs> give it the other. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so that's uh, that one. What else have you been watching?
0: I have watched the first two episodes of She-Hulk on Disney+. Plus. I don't want to spend too much time on it, because assumptions were made about what it would be like just from the trailer. That it would be all about She-Hulk is stronger than the Hulk, and the writing would be Twitter-level jokes about empowerment. It would have self-inserts bringing down the bosses. If you've seen the trailer, and you've made assumptions about what it might be. When you watch it, it's fully confirmed. It's exactly what it was suspected to be.
1: didn't think you were going there. I thought you were going to say the opposite. Okay.
0: (laughs) If anything, the She-Hulk trailers underplay just how much this pushes the message you would expect it to push. And on the one hand, oh, it's a comedy. Don't take it too seriously. And the defenders of it, who give it 10 out of 10 on IMDb, when they're accusing other people of view bombing, they give it to out head and say, This is just a big, it's just a comedy. Stop taking it too seriously. But in the very opening scene, the main character, She Hulk, played by Tatiana Maslani, she gives a speech to camera about power and the dynamics of power. And that's straight out of postmodern critical theory about breaking down power systems and all that stuff that I won't go into. It's not quite propaganda, but it's very close. So I just, I don't like it. Moving on from that. From, on the other hand, from finally available in the UK. It was recommended on Red Letter Media months ago when it's finally on Sky TV. From is from one of the creators of Lost whose name is not on the page I'm looking at right now, but it's not. Jack Bender. Was it Jack Bender. Yeah. It's like creative. It's like <laughs> executive produced by Jack Bender. A lot of it's directed by Jack Bender. It's called from a show that is impossible to Google. You can't Google a program <laughs> called from. It's impossible. It's a nightmare to find information about it. Anyway, it is about a small town that you cannot escape from. Once you drive into it, through this mysterious country road, you can never escape. And you drive out down a straight road, keep going straight. Somehow, you end up back in this town. And you follow that mysterious journey from the from the perspective of the Matthews family, and its wife and husband and their two kids. And they arrive in the town, and you see it from their perspective of how they get invited to the town. The rules get explained. The main character, though, is Boyd Stevens, played by Harold Perrineau, who you will remember, will remember from Lost, one of the best actors in Lost. And my word, he's absolutely great in this show, Harold Perrineau, because he's been there for years. He's been through a lot of trauma and he's the sheriff because he has military experience and he leads a great ensemble cast. But it's not just that you can't escape from this small town. At night, monsters appear and these monsters appear in the form of pale, weird-looking humans that are not CGI. But if you let them into your house, they will tear you to shreds, rip your body apart, and only leave your face intact. You see the aftermath in the first scene of the first episode, even on a small child. You know then this is a show that's not going to hold back. So it sets up the horror... Go on.
1: I was going to say it's based on my side, isn't it? Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't let you second-guess whether this is actually really as as bad as everyone makes out. It sets up at the start. Yes, these monsters exist. And yes, it's that bad. And you can infer the rules of the show just from seeing this woman stroke a little talisman, close the window. She says, don't open the window. And then everyone gets killed. And then you see this family arrive and the family doesn't know what's going on, but you know from the information you picked up in the first scene that this is really, really, really bad. What I liked about it besides the cast, how good it looks, how something actually happens each episode, is that the detail that has gone into what would actually happen if you had people live together for this long. So there's two different separated communities like Colony House and the main town, and they've built up this very fragile system of of rules and even ceremonies, responsibilities, job roles, punishment. It's so well thought out that it makes it utterly convincing that they're actually living there. So then when you get to the horror monsters who just look like weird, old-timey, pale people. That's also very convincing and horrifying. I recommended it to someone, and I said, if you like Lost and The Walking Dead, watch this. But it's nothing like either of those, because it's not zombies and it's not set in a desert island. Mm. (laughs) But this is, up to now, it's one of the best things that I've seen this year.
1: I'm so glad that you've reviewed that. So I watched this. If you're the police, come and find me. It's not like the my name is on the podcast or anything. I watched this months ago via a VPN. I equally loved it, but could not talk about it. Have you? So have you finished this? Yes. Bit of a weekending. ending. There is a bit of a weekend he- ending, but people went a bit mental about it in America and were like, eh, it's terrible. It's not terrible. It's just we've not answered everything. That's the point in a season two. I love this show. And the f- opening episode for me is one of the most shocking openings ever so you get I think it's the brutal slaying by these monsters of a wife and child and the husband finds the bodies and then the sheriff walks in and berates the father for letting this happen and it's all very expletive ridden and gruesome and it shows you all of it and I thought oh my word, what is this show this is incredible and it never really Let's you down from that point. I, I I don't think it goes quite to that level because I think you can only show one child death without probably <laughs> getting a rating slapped over you, which means that you're not able to wear. But yeah, it does some really interesting things. This and like you said, it is very well thought out. I, I'm glad to have somebody to speak to about this show because I know nobody else that has seen it, even though it's been on now TV for the best part of two months. So yeah, I believe this aired on epics in. The US, which I'm not too familiar with. I think we might have done one or two shows from there before, but I don't think they plow money into their productions. So for me, they've managed to stretch that budget quite far and I wouldn't say it looks cheap in any way. So I think they did a really good job of that.
0: You mentioned there the budget and how good it looks. I agree, it looks really good. It's got a relatively low budget and it's set in a dingy, timeless town and that's it, but it looks really good cinematic looking red rose it's got a bbc budget and that's set in bolton that also looks really good and cinematic as well they're both photographed very well over on the other end just keep criticizing sandman on netflix sandman on netflix has this clean perfect bright look to it and it does not look cinematic you can see the budget it looks expensive but there's something about the way it's photographed that makes it look less, there's less of an atmosphere, there's less of a tone, there's less of a mood to it than this low-budget stuff like From and Red Rose where you do feel like you're you're within the world of that thing. Whereas Sandman, yeah. like Jenna Coleman's just come right off the street looking how she looks and they've just filmed her and she's gone, right, I'm going back outside now to go shopping.
1: Yeah, and I, it's, it's not like I was ignorant. I've already said it, I'm very ignorant. I wasn't ignorant to that before you said it, but ever since you commented on the fact that there's something about Netflix productions that's just a bit not right, and I'd say maybe inauthentic looking. I just can't help but notice it. Like when I watched Five Days at Memorial, I thought this is easily identifiable as not a Netflix show. <laughs> you just wouldn't see it on there. And I can't. I still can't place my finger on what it is. I meant to say on top of the show, by the way, I haven't done my hair out of disrespect. uh, Not done my hair out of disrespect. It's a sign of comfort with yourself. So don't be offended.
0: Okay. Will we be offended, though, by real news this week? It's the
1: real thing.
0: It is now. Real, real news. News. What real news have you got?
1: House of the Dragon officially renewed for season two already after one measly episode where most people are saying it's too early to tell i don't know this could absolutely bomb and be a disaster by the end but they've already renewed it james numero uno did you watch the series no i didn't
0: watch it my interest in the brand is at zero which means i'm not going to watch it
1: fair enough given those scathing comments thoughts on this news you don't care most of <laughs> I don't
0: really care. No, I don't care.
1: Right. Okay. So, well, I'll just finish off that news story by saying, despite a lot of people saying it's too early, it has generally been received rather well. Most importantly, by my partner, which I'm sure everyone is keen to hear. She didn't watch Game of Thrones. In fact, I think we attempted it. We got a bit lost and um, never watched it again. And then I heard it was bad. Anyway, watched this. Both really enjoyed it. And I thought, we're going to give this a go. I don't feel left out because I didn't watch Game of Thrones. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Paddy Constein or Constein. very good in it. I liked it.
0: That's good. I'm still not going to watch it. But yeah, I, th- I think it's been universally acclaimed, hasn't it? It seems like uh, I've not seen any negative things being said.
1: I've heard some people say, I don't know. what. There's definitely been some negativity. There always is. It's the internet, James. Come on. Yeah. James, yeah. what have you got in your big bag of
0: news? I've got the Cineworld bankruptcy.
1: Oh, depress us, why don't you?
0: Yeah. So on the BBC News on the 19th of August, there were bankruptcy fears for the Cineworld chain. And they used a picture of Tom Cruise in Top Gun Maverick to accompany this story of, all oh, cinemas are collapsing. And
1: I but thought... It's his fault. He yeah, was I supposed thought, to save it.
0: Well, I thought, come on. Top Gun's the film of the year. Don't put his face next to a picture of cinematic failure. Then the follow-up story on the 22nd of August, three days later, they put Tom Cruise's face again. (laughs) And I was just like, they don't... Why are you... What's your agenda here, BBC? Why are you trying to put Top Gun Maverick alongside these stories of bankruptcy? Then within that same day, they read my mind and they put a picture of Thor Love and Thunder instead on the second story. Um, up to cine confirms it is considering bankruptcy header for the story fall love and thunder which is which is more appropriate to show that there's the cinemas are collapsing cine world has confirmed it is filing for bankruptcy in the united states as the cinema chain continues to struggle with five billion dollars worth of debt yes yeah, it's, it's nothing really is it The information that I just wanted to know is how this affects UK cinemas because we all love World of Cine. The key sentence for us in the UK is the company would not comment on whether it was also entering liquidation in the UK or what the potential impact could be on its 4,600 employees there. So it seems like it's a bit in the air for UK viewers. We may not be in the aisles anymore, at least not in World.
1: Sad times because I think collectively we've agreed we actually prefer a cine world where possible Ign- and that is not factoring in the better seating in view you'll have a more comfortable experience in view but the patrons are a bit you know yeah you know what i'm saying yeah and do you know what they're probably the same in cine world but the fact is hardly anyone goes there so you will not guarantee <laughs> to have an empty screening oh that's a selling point which is probably part of the problem i think about it uh, i'm not concerned
0: but yeah, they'll be fine. I mean they'll be they'll, uh, even if they collapse, we'll just have Disney cinemas instead and then we can just watch Disney stuff. What other news have you got?
1: Last one wouldn't be a real news segment if we hadn't mentioned some form of superheroes. So last week, sorry, the week before, we mentioned about Warner Brothers and the fact that they were cutting things left, right, and center. And one of the things that was sort of for the chopping block was the new animated series Batman Caped Crusader, which is apparently being brought to us by J.J. Abrams and another person who was actually in another article that I read, so it doesn't appear here, which is not helpful. Matt Reeves. That was it. Matt Reeves, who brought us Cloverfield and directed the recent Batman film. They were going to bring us new animated series. They haven't actually fully canned this. What they have done instead is they are going to shop this to streaming services. So Hulu, Netflix and Apple TV Plus are all interested. And it seems from this article that this might be an indication of what Warner Brothers may do in the future, which is to not host things on their channel, HBO Max, but to sell them to others to make a tidy profit. I suppose along the same lines as what I was asking you before, James, are you interested in this? I think you were quite a fan of the original animated series. And what do you think?
0: Original animated series from the 90s? Yes, big fan. One of the best ever. I didn't know this programme existed So maybe that's part of why it's been cancelled, because there's no hype for it. I didn't know it existed. It's it's uh, just Batman program, is it? Just starting from scratch.
1: It's creating, it's reimagining the world with a more adult tone. And it's set to follow the early days of Batman's crime fighting career with a greater focus on his wit than the multitude of gadgets he normally employs.
0: So was any of this released at all?
1: It's not been released. It was in production, and they have said they'll continue it, but guess what? We're not going to host it ourselves on HBO Max. So it's one of the few things to not be completely canned because here's a string of cancellations recently. Merry Little Batman. That was cancelled. What the heck? What is that? Merry Little Batman. The Day of the Earth Blew Up, a Looney Tunes movie, Bye Bye Bunny, a Bugs Bunny thing, no doubt, and The, ma- the Amazing World of Gumball. They've all completely... Bye, bye on your bike, but Batman, we're going to carry on because it's Batman and just sell it to someone else.
0: Right. Okay. So it's like you've made a pizza in your pizza oven from scratch. You've looked at it and then you've said, does anyone else want to eat this? Because <laughs> I'm not eating it.
1: <sighs> what a great analogy that I did not see coming. Yeah, it's exactly that. I wasn't going to mention this, but while we're on Warner Brothers, have you heard about the apparent funeral screenings of Batgirl that are taking place?
0: No. I want to go to one, yeah. but doesn't. But, but the film doesn't exist. So how could it be screened?
1: This is all taking place on the Warner Brothers lot. So they are screening this to cast, family and friends as a fuck you, one would assume. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why they're doing this. It's just got yeah. a stranger.
0: Get a video camera in those screenings. Get I'm the so cam sad. version out online.
1: I hope somebody does. I'd love that. Segway, James, have you got one? Nope
0: like to order an opinion please this film is new fresh point object promise it back this is a fact we in the aisles here are some hours thoughts in sync tell you what to think i'll listen to you but please don't rap again this week's main review is nope what if i told you
1: that today you'll leave here different. Pops. Pops! I'm talking to you. Bro, what'd you see? Something above the clouds. That's big. How big? Big. You think whatever killed Pops is out there?
0: Right here, you are going to witness
1: an absolute spectacle. What happens next? Are you ready? Uh-huh. Are you ready?
0: Nope is a 2022 American epic neo Western science fiction horror film written, directed, and co produced by Jordan Peele under his Monkey Paw Productions banner. Not a helpful summary by Google there. IMDb says, the residents of a lonely gulch in inland California bear witness to an uncanny and chilling discovery. Daniel, what did you think of Nope?
1: I'm not, not a Jordan Peele, like, woo, love the guy. But I did kind of like Get Out, but can't tell you anything that happened I don't remember it. I'm sure I actually enjoyed it. Us, I really enjoyed, but I got a bit lost with some bits. This film, I'm excited. I do like that he's got some sort of original ideas with horror. And I'd been very successful in avoiding seeing anything about this or knowing what was going to happen until two weeks ago where I saw a new movie poster, or at least I think it was a new movie poster, which kind of gave the game away. I'm led to believe, and I'm going to watch it at some point, I was meant to do it before the show, that the trailers, bar the last one that they released, also do not give away the premise, which I think is great and there should be a lot more of that. So, with that in mind, I had little information about where this was going, which made the opening of this film impactful for me. And I will say up top, because I think this this is the fair way of doing it, if you'd want no spoilers whatsoever, just stop listening now. I'm not going to give anywhere in my review, but I think as James gets his and then we talk a bit more, it's going to be very obvious what the premise is, and I will say that bit at least. So, opening bit, two quick scenes that seem completely unrelated to each other, but full of intrigue, and I thought, this is interesting, I want to know where this goes, but what the hell is going on? Then what we get is this story of two siblings who are trying to keep their father's business afloat where they well, they train horses to be used in Hollywood productions. But back at their ranch where they keep these horses, there's some mysterious going and, goings on. And Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer, who are the siblings, they're quick to capitalise on that. And essentially it's let's make money out of the unexplainable. So here's the brief spoiler if you don't want to know the central premise. It's a might be a UFO. Let's film it. And what follows is, in my eyes, it's a very atmospheric sense of dread, a bit of mystery and discovery as they get to grips with understanding what this thing is and why it's like invading their quiet little ranch. And I really, really enjoyed the first hour of this, I thought it set things up really well, filming these happenings that are going on in the ranch and some of the challenges that they're faced with. And there's this little, I'm still trying to work out if it's interesting or not, but there's this side plot involving a former child star played by Stephen Yuan, who owns an entertainment land type place. So that for me, it was all good stuff. And you even get some sporadic humour too, which I thought worked quite well. And then when we get to the UFO scenes up until the final third, it's not exactly visually impressive because it is purposely hard to see this thing. But they they really make up for that with some unbelievable sound design. So it's loud and it's intimidating and it is all around you. So I wouldn't ordinarily comment on the sound, but I think it's done brilliantly here and I could feel it in my seat. But I've got to confess, if I'd watched it at home without that sound system in the cinema, I don't think I would have been impressed at all by the first hour. I think it would have felt a bit flat. So that, that's the good stuff. As for the acting, it's pretty strong. But for me, Daniel Kaluuya, who plays Otis Jr., maybe it's his character. And I think it was. But he's meant to be like quite quiet and withdrawn. But as a protagonist, he wasn't, he had like no charisma or warmth, which made it really hard for me to actually care about him. Kiki Palmer is the complete opposite to that. She turns in a really energetic performance, which I think keeps things feeling like they're moving along a bit, because otherwise it does go a bit stale. And regardless of having her, I think for me, the second half of the film, it does have some interesting set pieces. But it did feel like a bit of a slog and it was hard to look past some of the corners that are cut when it comes to explaining what's actually going on from scene to scene. And I did hear another comment on this where they basically said the connective tissue between the setups and the payoffs is incredibly weak. And I don't think I could agree more with that. I'm not going to spoil anything, but for me, the biggest crime of this is, and there's several of them, But a character decides that this thing will react in a certain way if he does something, and it just does react in that way. There's no explanation of how he arrived at that decision. Well, there is. You could read that there is, but it doesn't really make sense. There's no inherent logic as to why characters do what they do or how things work or what they're actually trying to achieve as a whole. And I'm not going to lie, that really did dampen the experience quite a bit for me. And it is a shame because I think it's shot really well. Jordan Peele is obviously a talented director, but that real lack of exploration, uh, explanation around certain plot points, it damages it. It feels too messy and incoherent in too many places. And I was confused as to whether I actually liked it or not. It does feel a bit too long, I think. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's all I've got to say, really. Um, I was left a bit underwhelmed, but th- the first hour was... Probably a bit of a let give me a self uh, false sense of security that it was going to be awesome and it wasn't. James, what about you?
0: You said something there which sums up how I feel. Did you say that you're not sure whether you liked it as you were watching it? Yes, I felt a bit like that. I felt like this is good, I feel like I should like it, but I'm not enjoying it and I don't think I like it, is how I felt Mm. watching it. And this thing of it being neo Western horror and a science fiction and drama all at the same time. It's none of those things. It's like a well-shot Western drama, and everything looks great, the big sandy expanses. But it's not really much of a Western. It's just set in the location where Westerns would happen. It's not science fiction because this big thing that appears in the sky that isn't really in it very much, and it's not a horror because, again, a lot of it is in the daytime. And it's not scary. So that was a big problem that I had. And I, unlike you, actually had watched the trailer. And the, it is a good trailer because it's just a trailer of them making the film. It's like a trailer for the behind-the-scenes documentary about the film. It doesn't give you any information about the film. It's showing them making the film and yeah, gives I'm nothing weird. away. And I've never seen that before. And that definitely gave me a lot of intrigue. And just based on that, I had quite high expectations. And the plot is very simple and I do think it goes on for too long despite the plot being pretty straightforward and like you say the way that they find out the information and the rules of this thing that's in the sky just kind of appears. I guess it might be a metaphor for something maybe if it was tighter and shorter as a film it would make sense but nothing really came across if i liked it more i might be thinking about it more and talking about that but as it stands i was just watching it and thinking yeah this is a well-made piece of content it's good maybe the reason why i wasn't that into it is because i agree with you that daniel kaluuya oj the main character just didn't have much to offer like he's a really good actor but this character and the writing of it he's just there and i didn't really care to follow him on this journey and Stephen yen is good but he's not a sympathetic character is he no no so i wasn't following him either so you left with kiki palmer and she's good but then she's off to the side and so i struggled with i struggled with the cast unfortunately all the parts of it are good but there was no standout scene like no standout part of it that was really good It was just succeeding in having that general atmosphere of, oh, what's going on? I did like the ending, though. The ending climactic sequence was very well done. It felt very practical and exciting.
1: But did you understand what was going on or how they'd done what they'd done, if that makes sense?
0: Not really, no.
1: Right, good. It wasn't just me, then. We'll get into that a bit more on uh, spoilers. So I'd read or skim read something before I watched this and it was on about the messaging of the film. But I didn't actually remember what it said the messaging was. So all the while watching this, I thought, it's okay, but there is some underlying subtext here. So what is it? And I've got to say that my reading of what was going on is completely wrong. So (laughs) again, we'll get into that in spoilers, but I really don't think he mastered or got across his message with this because it's there. As soon as somebody points out to me, it's like, oh, yes pretty obvious, but it's so in your face that I don't think it's meant, that's not subtle messaging. I could have told you that. Anyway, sorry, I'm just chatting on for for no reason now. Any other general thoughts?
0: Uh, No, not really. As you say, it is a film where it's best to go in knowing nothing and it's best to not spoil anything. Do you have any other thoughts?
1: No, no. I think we should get to spoilers.
0: Okay. There's an opportunity here to not recommend the film in a very straightforward way by using the title of the film. Will we do that or not? Daniel, would you recommend Nope? Don't know. Okay.
1: Still on the fence. James, would you recommend Nope?
0: I want to commit to an answer either way, so I will say I would not.
1: Does that mean I have to commit?
0: No, you don't have to commit.
1: I feel I feel like I should now. Nope.
0: It's going to spoil us. Bruce Willis' real name is Tyler Durden. Sank at the end. Oh, thanks a lot. Spoilers. Siblings OJ and M inherit this ranch from their father who gets killed by a nickel falling from the sky. They do stunt horse work in Hollywood, but business starts to slow down. They sell their horses to Stephen Yen's character, and he puts on shows in town. And it's revealed that he's actually feeding the horses to this UFO-like thing. What is this thing? It turns out it will only attack you if you look at it. And OJ and M are desperate to film it. They recruit some guy to film it. And it turns out that this thing, UFO thing, is not a UFO. It's just a creature that eats things and spits out the non-organic matter and in a climactic climax, M does manage to take some video of the alien thing in the end and prove that it exists. Does that sound fair?
1: Yeah, now I know what the film was about. Okay. Cheers. No, I did. I followed that bit at least.
0: But what was the film really about? What's this that you've read that tells you what it's actually about?
1: Apparently, this is meant to be all about spectacle. And the art of filmmaking, that is the theme that it's its kind of running with. And I can see that, it's obvious, but what I thought it was trying to put across was how wrapped up we are in producing media that we don't kind of lose ourselves in the moment. Because every everything in this is about, like, you've got the TV show with Gordy that was we're producing a TV show, and this guy, Stephen Yen, Forget his character name. He very much lives now through his past experience of, oh, I used to be on a show, and that's how he's kind of defined himself. And even now with this this alien being that's on the ranch, it's not let's discover this, it's let's film this. And I thought it was some sort of social media commentary almost, albeit very loose, but I think that is stretching there. I'm, I'm completely wrong. That's not what it's going for. Um, But that was my reading of it at the time, just knowing that, oh, no, there's something underlying here. That's what I thought it was about. And then the other thing that I'm led to believe it is trying to put across is how, like, the treatment of black actors and how they've almost been seen as disposable. Um, You know, the whole thing about these two fictional characters are the great-grandchildren of the first person to ever be put on film, which was a black actor on a horse, but in reality... No one actually knows that guy's name, but here it's a real person and it's these two siblings that are great grandchildren of that's apparently something else that's going on, which again is in your face, and I saw that. That makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, that that's that's all I was referring to.
0: That thing about the spectacle, but you isn't that the same thing, but you you've thought it was about having to film things. Is that not the same thing as what you've read that it's about, that it's about spectacle? What I don't I don't get how that's different. Two different things.
1: So I am halfway intellectual Then Maybe I did read the right thing. Um, No, I suppose more, it's like the guy at the end, I forget the guy with a really deep voice. I don't know his name. Brilliant voice. Really like reverberates throughout the theatre when he speaks. More so than a UFO or alien thing. He's, in my eyes, supposed to be like a, a conduit for like Jordan Peele in many respects. So he's got to film that climactic moment where he's, he's, sucked up inside the monster and he sacrifices himself because of it I think that was meant to be a sort of the artist will sacrifice sacrifice himself for his art form I wasn't reading it in that kind of way I was very much just going down the social media aspects of it all and oh isn't this all just disposable content so I, I was I was completely wrong in my reading. There's actually not a lot to back up what I'm saying as to why I read it like that, but I was more looking at it from that angle, if that makes sense. That makes sense. I don't think I've explained that properly. No, I
0: think it makes sense what you're saying, yeah. You can interpret it however you want. I don't think you're wrong. You can just take it how you want to take it.
1: That's true. That's that's what I was going to say. Good art is there for, but neither of us have recognized <laughs> that's them, so.
0: Good yeah. I think my problem was that That mysterious trailer was so good that I was expecting such an incredible mystery to be revealed that it's just, it's so, it's so, it's so mysterious. You just can't imagine what this film is going to be about. We're not even going to show you any information because it's that good. It's that shocking. Mm. But most of it is people hanging around on the ranch, having a chat. Yeah. And I think that was my problem. That was completely self inflicted, that actually has nothing to do with how good the film is, but I was a victim of expectations. And then when it came, when it was had the UK release date, I was like, yes, let's, let's definitely do this. We'll definitely do this. And I just felt quite hmm. inflated. What was it that you were saying about the rules not being clear?
1: So, the main thing that I was alluding to in the pre spoilers bit was so we get an earlier on scene, I think it's more or less at the very beginning after those two opening non connected events, where they're on like an ad set and Otis has brought the horse there and his sisters does a bit of a spiel about, oh, this is our family and this is our business and the history of it and yada, yada. One of the people on set holds up a mirror to the horse and the horse kicks off and goes mad. And despite Otis telling the guys to to not do that. And from that and his experience of working with horses, Daniel Kaluuya decides that surely This means that he should not look this alien creature in the eye. There's no like point A to point B to point C with this. It's just that happened at the beginning. You don't look a horse in the eye. Therefore, you don't look an alien in the eye. And rather than going through a journey of discovery with it, and it's like, oh, this is how the mechanic works with it. It's just accepted like immediately. And I thought, that is so lazy. That, that's what I was referring to when I said, like, cutting corners. I don't know whether there's something that they've, like, just chopped out of this that would have explored that more. But that's, that's a big leap of faith to just go, that's how I'm going to survive this thing, and it work. And that's it feels like there's quite a lot of those moments in the film that just didn't gel with me. Because the other bit, and, and maybe I have misunderstood this, but the wacky, whirling inflatable, hand-flailing tube men, to quote Family Guy... <laughs> They're something to do with magnetic fields and electronic pulses and stuff. I don't really know. They set them all up with car batteries towards the end to do this final like set piece. But I I don't know what is it supposed to attract the alien to them and they suck them up instead, which it does none of. What's going on? I don't get it. I didn't know whether it was just from an aesthetic point of view. Look at all these tube men. It didn't feel like it made sense.
0: Yeah, and what did I think it was to do with the UFO causes electrical interference, so that when it flies over the inflatable flailing arm tube men, they deflect. So you can tell you can tell where it is because it's causing them to malfunction. I think that's what was going on.
1: Which now that you've said that to me, I, I'm an I am an idiot. That makes complete sense. But the way that it's staged in the film, I don't think it. Blocking-wise, like when the alien's overhead or wherever it may be, you don't see the impact of that clearly with those things that they've set up. It's very much a free-for-all, let's film this, let's film that. It just does not go together, in my opinion, I didn't think. It was that that I thought was failing.
0: Okay, so we go even more harsh then. We've talked about a about the characters. What does the main character actually do in this? Like what what his, is his actual journey? Like his dad dies, and he goes, "Oh, business isn't going well." And then he discovers a UFO, and they fight the UFO, and Andy he goes, "Okay." A,
1: a scorpion, King hoodie, which was yeah. the high point of the film,
0: and he says, "Okay, let's just carry on living our lives now."
1: It is a it is a very very minimal character journey, isn't it? There's there's nothing much there. That's why, like you said, we both said it. His character just didn't work for me. I did not care about him at all.
0: Yeah, there is an episode of. The Marie Kondo tidying up program on Netflix that is also that is also about a son inheriting the family business, which is as a plant shop, and the daughter's like less involved. She kind of comes and goes, and there's more character journey and learning in that 25 minutes of Marie Kondo telling them how to tidy up than there is in, in this film.
1: For another example of that, watch. Any other episode of Gordon Ramsay's Hotel Hell, same thing. And I didn't even feel the relationship between the brother and sister either. So there's supposed to be this quite emotional moment towards the end where she he does this, I'm looking at you sort of thing. But in the the way that it's shot in the film, they're, they're on either sides of this alien creature. You cannot see one or the other from the perspective of that character. Yet they both acknowledge that they've done that motion and do it back to each other. You can't see each other; it's misty, it's cloudy. You, God knows how far apart. I, ju- I just felt like it looks pathetic. Like at least if they'd have had the decency to show me that it is feasible, you can see each other, that would be fine. But it doesn't work.
0: Are you sure you're on the fence?
1: I liked moments in it. Do you, do you know one of the best moments? And it never got back to that point. You know where the kids creep in with the alien suits on and there's a bit of a misdirect and you think, oh, the aliens have landed. I thought that was so genuinely creepy that as soon as they were revealed to be kids, I was like, oh, that's mm. a shame. I thought that's where we were going with this. And there is, I'd say there's about five or six moments like that where I'm like, that looks or sounds or feels good, but it just doesn't hold together as a story. I don't think it's lacking a lot. You're right, I'm not on the fence, it's shit. (laughs) One last question. What did you think about the Alien design?
0: I liked how unfancy it was. It was organic, but it still looked sleek. And I liked it. And I did like the view from inside Uh, of it as well. the, The inside view of it sucking things up.
1: Yeah, that was quite horrific. That. I like that bit. it. It's good. Somebody said, You've mentioned a anime show before, and they said the last design of this creature, when it kind of like expands, is almost like ripped off from an anime. Uh, quite
0: yeah. Neon yeah. Genesis Evangelion, probably. That's the angels. One, that's the yeah, one. that's actually true. Yeah, it is ripped off.
1: Another reason <laughs> to come down hard on this film. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> right. I think that's enough. Do you want to go to the cinema and watch this film? Nope.
0: Okay, that's a shame.
1: James, what are we reviewing next week?
0: Top Gun, Maverick. Why are you doing Top Gun, Maverick? Well, it was released on Sky, so we can watch it at home now, and you've not seen it at all. It's entered the top 10 highest-grossing films of all time. We've got to do it properly. Top Gun, Maverick.
1: bit that you left out there was, and there's nothing else.
0: There's nothing else. There is nothing. There (laughs) is nothing.
1: Thank you very much for listening. If you wish to leave us any feedback, you can do so at in the hourspodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a five-star review and rating on whatever podcast platform you happen to be listening on. And leave us leave us. You can check out Instagram as well at in the hours podcast. James, gonna ask it a bit differently this week. In terms of this week's director, Jordan Peel and his film nope, what words of advice would you? Esteemed film reviewer, give Jordan Peel for his next film.
0: Make it shorter and you don't have to write and direct. Let someone else do some of the work and just do the directing part.
1: If you're listening, Jordan, just do what James says. He knows what he's talking about. See you next week.
0: Bye. Bye.